into our sermon. We're looking at the baptism of Jesus Christ. If you'll remember, we've been going through the Gospel of Luke. Last week we talked about John the Baptist who came preaching a baptism of repentance. And now Christ comes on the scene to be baptized. The scripture can be found on the inside of your bulletin. And it is Luke 3, 21 through 22. Thank you, son. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. Well, I was balancing my account yesterday, uh, somewhat of a Herculean effect, uh, to Herculean effort, excuse me, to balance my uh, account. And I'm going through my register here, and lo and behold, I see some food, and then I see Amazon, and then I see some gas, and then I see Amazon, and I see something, and I see Amazon, and Amazon, Amazon, Amazon continues to come up, and I realize that a lot of my money is going to Amazon. So I'm scratching my head going, why is this? And it's because Amazon is the easiest shopping experience in the world. Okay, anybody have Amazon Prime? Awesome. Okay, you spend like 70 bucks, but it's free shipping, two to three day UPS shipping. Okay, so like I find myself like, oh shoot, I need paper clips. Amazon, boom, two days later, there they are. Milk, Amazon, no, they're not quite there yet. But you name it, Amazon has it, right? And the thing I love about Amazon, I can't believe I'm doing this, you know, but one of the things I love about Amazon is the testimonials, right? You want to buy something, you're trying to figure out what to buy. For instance, let's get close and affectionate with one another. Needed to buy a pooper scooper, okay? Where do you go? Amazon, right? I go online, they've got it all rated, they've got testimonials, I can read from different people, I can get the honest scoop on which one to get. This has really been an intimate time together, really starting off with a great, great illustration. People are looking at me in horror. How did I come to this church? Testimonials are important. You know, it's one thing for what the marketers say, but I want to hear from people who are actually using the product, who can say, is it good, is it bad? We rely on testimonies all the time, don't we? People get folks on the TV to speak of a testimony. They're giving a testimony about a product. Some people give a testimony by the product that they're using. They're doing something and you see them doing it. And you ask them the question. And they say, oh yes, this, this is great. Testimony is important. You ever pick up a book, you know, and you turn to the front page and there's all these people who are talking about that book? What about a court of law? If your life was on the line and there's a case. Crimes and judgments come based on testimony. Now the thing about testimony is this. The stronger the authority, the better the testimony, right? You want to get character witnesses. The higher the type of person you can get to bear testimony of you, the stronger the case you can make. And so what is this whole passage about? It's about testimony. It's about testifying to who this person, Jesus Christ, is as he begins his ministry. It's clear that this is the beginning of his ministry right here. And so there is a testimony that comes. 
The testimony is given for the world. Not only for the people who are standing there, but for us right now. And so what we are going to do is going to examine this testimony. And I want to suggest to you this is a threefold testimony from God Himself. From God the Father, from God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit testifying to the person Jesus Christ. The one who has come, as John the Baptist says, to take away the sins of the world. The question is, will you listen to the testimony? This threefold testimony is this. Jesus Christ testifies by showing his passion. He shows his passion for the people that he has come to save. And then the Holy Spirit comes and he testifies showing Christ's power. That Christ is the one that has the power to enact salvation for his people. And finally, God the Father testifies by showing Christ's position. That he is the beloved son sent from the Father to provide salvation to his people. God has testified to the world through Christ's baptism. Will we listen? Well, let's look at these three points. Number one, Jesus' testimony. The passion that he shows. Remember, John the Baptist has come and he has heralded that one is coming. The one who is coming, you know, who will bring sight to the blind. Who will set the captives free. Who will proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so John says this one is coming. And he offers this baptism of repentance. Turn from your sins. Be baptized. Repent of your sins that you may receive this forgiveness that is to come. Prepare your hearts. But John's baptism was not enough, was it? See, John was giving a sign, but he was saying, prepare your way for the king, for one is coming who will baptize, not with water, but with the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit, as we see in the Bible, which again and again shows the presence and approval of God. See, we need more, my friends, than simply to live a religious life. Simply to repent and start doing the right things. No, we need a God who will come in to our weak wills and change us and shape us and rebirth us. This is the story of Jesus' baptism. But before Jesus comes to baptize us, he comes to be baptized. This passage is very strange when you think about it. Because Jesus comes and he says to John the Baptist, baptize me. Now in this passage, Luke 3.21, it's one of the most abbreviated passages. We can look at Mark and John and Matthew and see some of the longer uh, texts of what actually happens. In fact, when Jesus comes, John says, no way. I need to be baptized by you, Jesus. Why are you coming to be baptized? Uh, why are you coming to be baptized by me? And Jesus says this, let it be so. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. What are you talking about, Jesus? Let it be so. If the, is the baptism of John the Baptist for repentance, for the forgiveness of sins, Christ has no sins to repent of. He has no sins to be forgiven of. Why would he stand in the place of a sinner? See, Jesus is saying, it's fitting for me to be here. Because somebody has to stand in the place to fulfill the requirements of all righteousness. We use the word fulfill when something is lacking, don't we? 
If there's righteousness that needs to be fulfilled, it means right now there is unrighteousness. See, we have to have a means to pay for unrighteousness. To satisfy the demand for righteousness. The standard that God has for you and me is perfection. It's hard for us to comprehend. You know, we evaluate how good of people we are by examining other people. But Christ's standard is perfection. And so Christ says, I have to come. It's fitting for me to fulfill all righteousness. See, this is a shadow of Jesus' true baptism. Later, Jesus says, when he's going to the cross and he's, uh, he's uh, at uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Jesus is talking about his death. Christ's true baptism is death. I talked last week about the fact that, uh, uh, that uh, Jesus, excuse me, uh, John the Baptist is baptizing uh, in the River Jordan. But as you look throughout the Old Testament, throughout the Bible, water always represents judgment. Remember the Red Sea? As the Israelites go through, and then the Egyptians, and the water closes and kills all of them? What about Noah? Right? God finds the earth to be unrighteous. And he chooses Noah and his family. And he puts them in the boat and he wipes out the rest of the planet. What about Jonah? Who is not obeying God. And there's a storm and he's cast into the sea. The Psalms talk again and again. Lord, the waters have swirled around my neck. I can't breathe. I'm being pulled down to the depths. See, what's going on here is this. Jesus is saying it's fitting for me to fulfill all righteousness. And the way to do that is for me to die. For me to go down. For all the unrighteousness of the world to be put upon my shoulders. It's fitting that I would stand in the place. See, Jesus' ministry begins at the cross and it ends at it. One of the most famous scenes in all of literature is scene five. Uh, excuse me, I think it's, how do you put it? Part five, scene one of Macbeth. If you've ever seen Macbeth, if you remember Lady Macbeth and Macbeth, uh, uh, Lady Macbeth has convinced Macbeth, a Scottish noble, to kill King Duncan, who's the king of Scotland. Because they've had a dream, and in this dream, Macbeth will be king. And so Macbeth doesn't want to do it, but Lady Macbeth compels him, and eventually he, he kills uh, King Duncan, and he stabs King Duncan. And as he, bring, he brings the knife back, and it's there, and Lady Macbeth wants him to take it back, but he won't. And so she's cleaning the, she cleans the blood. She makes everything look nice. But as Lady Macbeth becomes Queen of Scotland, her conscience begins to weigh upon her. She begins to sleepwalk. And as she sleepwalks, she continues to rub her hands. As if something's dirty on them, she begins to say, Ah, here's the smell of blood. Ah, the perfumes of Arabia. All of them will not sweeten this little hand. Out, out, spots. Get off of my hands. What's on our hands? It's blood. It's guilt. It's unrighteousness. How can this blood be taken off? You know, people have asked me the question, why, 
How is it that you and your wife can forgive the man who killed your son? And by God's graciousness, I don't bear any malice toward him. Now I wonder, God maybe was gracious with me that he's not alive, that he's not in prison, that I wouldn't have to face him. But by God's grace, I hope I would be able to face him with love in my heart. But here's the only reason. See, it's not enough for him to come to my face and say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? See, even if I forgive him, what about the unrighteousness of that act? What about the pain that it caused? What about my son? What about all that has transpired that is evil? Is it simply washed away with a, please forgive me, I was wrong? No, the reason I can forgive is simply this, there will be justice. Every single careless word that is uttered on the planet earth, there will be a reckoning for. Somebody has to pay. Is it you? Is it me? And yet in the story of the gospel, we see a God that comes to us that says, give me your hands. You can't wipe them off. But it's fitting for me to fulfill all righteousness. And so I will go into the water, down into the depths. I want a God to follow who has that sort of passion, who will move into my life in such a way that he'll stand with me. I don't want someone on the side of the shore that says, come on, let's go. I need someone who will come under me and lift me up. His testimony is love. And so we need to examine and conceive of this God. What's the blood on your hands? What are you doing this with all the time? Is it the divorce? Is it the abortion that you had back then? Is it the things that you said that you wish you could take back? Is it the abuse that you gave out? The laws that you broke? What is it that haunts you? What is it that you walk around wishing you could get off your hands? You can't. Forgiveness isn't good enough. We need someone who can take the sins. So what are you using to cleanse? Is it alcohol? Is it workaholism? Is it pornography? What are you doing to cleanse yourself? Hopefully by now all you're doing is realizing that you're just numbing the pain. We need more than simply numbing the pain. We need someone who can wash our hands. And so Christ says, give me your hands. My passion shows you, gives testimony that I love you. I can free you from your sin. In fact, for this very reason I come. Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the earth. Christ has given his testimony. Will we believe it? This brings me to my second point, the testimony of the Holy Spirit. God's power is testimony. You know, here's the truth. A, a good heart is not enough. The road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? We need more than a good heart. We need power. I need more than someone to simply change my record. I need someone who can change me. And so when Jesus, who by his passion enters into our suffering and comes out of the water, we see here, <clears throat> 
As he was baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. It's interesting that Jesus was praying. <clears throat> he prays uh, before every, uh, during every important decision pretty much in Luke. It's like Jesus has spoken. He has gone into the water and he's praying and he's waiting for a response from God. And as he's praying, look what happens. The heavens are opened. You know, the heavens had been shut for some time. In terms of somebody coming from heaven itself, right? Remember the garden? Eden? Living in the presence of God? I think one of the things we don't realize is that earth was not meant to be the way it is now. Heaven and earth were always meant to be interconnected. The presence of God amidst people was always meant to be. See, it's upon the sin of man that the gates of heaven were shut. And the gates only open one way, from the inside. See, that's why there's such misery in the world. Because God is not here. We live on a godless world. And yet when Christ gives his testimony, what he will do, what he has done, the Spirit comes. Remember when God, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It says the Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. That there wasn't an earth. It was formless and it was void. And the Spirit brought life into the world. The Spirit brought to life the earth. And indeed, God creates man and he shapes him and he puts him right there, but he's not alive. And then what does God do? He breathes his Spirit into him and he becomes a living being. See, to be alive is to be Spirit-filled. But God said, surely you will die if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve ate, but they didn't fall down, did they? But something died that day. The Spirit taken out of man. But here the Spirit comes again. Wherever there is the Spirit, there is the presence of God. Remember the temple? They finished the temple. Solomon says, will God really dwell with man? But God says, if you put this temple, if you make it acceptable based on the very things that I tell you to do, I will put my presence there and I will dwell with you. And when the temple was done, the Spirit of God, the glory of God, filled the temple and none could enter. The Spirit is the presence of God. The Spirit is also the power of God. Remember Samson walking along and the Spirit comes upon him? And he rushes upon that lion and he tears it apart like it's just a, a little lamb. The Spirit brings power. But you notice the Holy Spirit descends and it never retreats. It descends and it stays. As Isaiah 11 says, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of power. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord rests on him. He's the spirit giver. He's the one that has the gift. It's with him. It rests on him. You know, why does the spirit descend as a dove? It's an interesting question. A lot of people have a di different opinions about that. Why a dove? I have my own opinion and I think it's the right one, darn it. 
as you look throughout the Bible, if you see where there is water and judgment and dove, there's only another place where you can find that. And that's the story of Noah, right? Remember the story that Noah is found righteous and God's going to wipe out the rest of the earth. And so God commands Noah to build this ark. He puts Noah and the animals in the ark. They come and they, uh, you know, they make it through. And Noah sends out a dove, right? And the first time the dove comes back, but the second time the dove comes back with what? An olive branch to indicate that they have survived, that there is life. The dove and the olive branch is the universal symbol of peace. So when this dove comes, what is it communicating? It's communicating to us that Christ will not only go down to death for us, but he will come up to life with us. See, Jesus Christ is the ark. He's the one who has the power to lay down his life and take it up again. See, I don't need just someone who's going to die for me. I need someone who's going to bring me back to life. I'm already dead. I need someone who's going to bring power into my life. Christ wants to do so much more than simply save you of your sins. He wants to turn you into a new person. Jesus did not come to earth to make bad people good. He came to earth to make dead people live. And so by the power of the Holy Spirit, He not only has the power and the passion to go down into the water, He has the passion and the power to rise again. And He brings that power to us. It's interesting, Matt was talking about tsunamis. I was reading about the tsunami, the, the one before, I think it was 2004, in Thailand and in Indonesia. You remember that one? It killed like a quarter of a million people. There's some miraculous survival stories of what happened in the tsunami. This is one of the coolest ones, and it's about a, a British girl. She was, named, she was four years old. Her name was Amber Mason, and she was uh, in this Thai resort, and she was riding one of the elephants. They would, they would have this thing where they'd bring elephants on the beach. You know, they were immature. They were adolescent elements, elephants, and you could ride the elephant. They were trained. Well, they're you know, riding along on the beach, and the water recedes, and nobody knows what's going on. But the animals always seem to know, right? And this, an, this, this elephant, Nong Nong is the name of the elephant. Oh, excuse me, Ning Nong. Ning Nong. Why couldn't it be Phil? Phil the elephant. Ning Nong knows something's wrong. He's getting very agitated. And his handler is trying to hold on to Ning Nong. But Ning Nong knows. An instinct takes over. And Ning Nong goes. And the trainer sees what's going on and says, run. But Ning Nong's already gone. Okay, the water washes up. Okay, thousands are killed. But not this child. Because Ning Nong weighs thousands of thousands of pounds. And Amber Mason weighs like 60. Think about that. What's going on there? The power of one. Saving the power of another. Lifting them up. See, the Spirit descending upon Jesus is saying, He is the one who has the power to take you through the storm, to take you through death, and bring you out on the other side. See, I don't want to not die. I want to live. 
And the Bible says, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. We're surrounded by death. We can't even hide it in America no matter how hard we try. It's all around us. I need salvation from death. But I need sanctification to life. And so Jesus says, surrender to me in my death. But surrender to me in my life. Surrender to my ways. I know the path for I am the path. Much like that elephant. Could have stopped trying to live life on my own. I'm going to surrender to him. I'm going to follow in his path. I'm going to live in his strength. Because I need someone more powerful than me who can help me to navigate through this life. I don't know where you're going to find passion. But where are you going to find power? What happens when your marriage is on the rocks? What happens when you can't forgive yourself for what you did? What happens when you can't step up and be the man and the woman that God has called you to be? Where are you going to find it? Jesus Christ is the one who has been given the power. And so Paul says, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Jesus has the power to go into the grave, and he has the power to come out of it. And this testimony speaks to each one and says, Lazarus, come out. Take off his grave clothes and let him go. Jesus came for so much more than simply to save you from death. He came to bring you to life. This brings me to my final point, the last testimony, the testimony of God the Father himself. We've seen Christ's passion. We've seen the Holy Spirit's power. If you want to see the Holy Spirit's power, look at the cross. Jesus didn't give us advice. Jesus rose from the dead. Finally, there's the testimony of God the Father attesting to Christ's position. And as the Spirit descends, a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved Son. With you, I am well pleased. No one ever, ever called somebody. God never called anyone son before. What an intimate term. Speaking directly to him. You are my beloved son. He's speaking to the world as well, isn't he? This is the witness. Who have I sent? This is the beginning of his ministry. You are my beloved son. And I'm well pleased with you. Who's God ever said that to before? Whoever merited that title from God? How important a mission there is determines who you will send, right? There's a big international affair going somewhere else. It depends on how big it is. If it's kind of big, well, the ambassador's there and he kind of comes out. If it's bigger than that, you send the Secretary of State, right? Bigger than that, Maybe you send the vice president and the secretary of state. 
But if it's big, big, big time and you want to communicate, you send the president. Hebrews 1.1, long ago at many times and in many places, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. Jesus said, no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. And so God has sent the highest authority of all authorities to come and die and rise again. To make us not enemies, to make us not forgiven, but to make us sons and daughters of the living God. That God would turn to you and me and say, you are my beloved son. With you I'm well pleased. Christ's salvation is big enough that if you are a Christian, he will do that to you and is doing that to you right now. Who are you with determines everything. When I was in uh, Dallas growing up as a kid, I went to one of these, uh, it was a probably the most exclusive school in Dallas. I still don't know how my parents got me in there. But it was sort of the place to be. And one of my friends was a guy named Charles Marcus. And Charles Marcus's uh, grandfather was Stanley Marcus, who founded Neiman Marcus. And so Charles had connections, okay? And I remember going with Charles one day to the store, to Neiman Marcus. Okay, and Charles was royalty in Neiman Marcus. Why? Because he was the heir. He was the son of the CEO. And here's the beauty. Because I was with Charles, I was royalty too. Right? It's who you're with. God the Father sent God the Son so we could become sons and daughters. Christ's salvation is that I will go down into the depths of hell for you. But I will not let the waters overcome you. I will raise you up. And because you are in me and I am in you, when God sees you, he will see me. And he will love you the way he loves me. You are my beloved son, Carlos. With you, I am well pleased. The gospel is ridiculous. It is too good to be true. And the reason it's too good to be true was it was so bad it was true. There is always justice. That's why there's forgiveness. I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know your status or your title or your position. I don't know if you're Charles Marcus or you're Charles Nobody. That, uh, let me try that again. I don't know if you're... Ch I can't come up with a good line. I don't know if you're Charles... I don't know who you are. My bigger question is, whose are you? Are you a Christian? Have you grasped his passion for you? Are you a Christian? Are you living in his power? Are you a Christian? Are you resting in his position? The testimony has been given. The verdict is yours. Who you decide to follow will depend, will, uh, will lead everything in your life. My hope is you come away from this changed. You come away from this as a son and daughter. You come away with this from this forgiven. And you come away living in God's power. 
We were not simply meant to survive. We were meant to be resurrected. This is the hope of the gospel. Praise God for such a gift he's given us, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, how much testimony do we need? Jesus, your passion, your compassion is unrivaled. No one can ever and will ever love me like you did. Lord, your power is unmatched. No one can rise from the grave. No one can bear the sins of the world and yet shrug them off. You are the favored king, the son of God. And you come to bestow royalty upon us. Lord, let us believe the gospel. Let us grasp it. Let us hold on to it. Let us not look back, but follow you on this journey of life. Give us faith and give us hope. Give us love. And give us compassion and strength and honor to give to other people, Lord. We want to walk in your steps. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.